if you don't mind a tingling spine or a lump in your throat, if you kind of get a thrill feeling the hair stand up on the back of your neck, or you just can't get enough of the eerie, turn down the lights, snuggle up with a blanket, and keep your feet tucked up safe, because we've got a story for you. It happened to a friend of a friend. Okay. Hi. Hi. Oh, you said hi before me. Oh, my goodness. Happy Easter, Sarah and Hunbots. Happy Easter. We're recording before Easter, but this will come out in a few days. Mm-hmm. This is our second go at this episode. Yeah. <laughs> I screwed it up. No, I fucked I'm it up. Not, I'm not blaming you. We had some technical difficulties. Uh-huh. Thankfully, we record every other week. So we had time. Yeah. And it, but it was, this. it was tight though. Like that was, a, it was a good recording. So it now was, we have a lot I, to stand up to. I, I probably jinxed us because I said it out loud. Yeah, that's fine. So I'm sorry. Full if, transparency on this one. Exactly. Yes. So if, if we don't sound like it's our A game, it's mm-hmm. because we've already done this. And when this comes out, so it will be, tomorrow will be my birthday. Really? Yeah. So Friday. Good Friday. Yeah, it's my birthday this year. Ooh, exciting. What are you going to do for your birthday? Absolutely nothing. Love it. You know. That's exciting. Same thing I did last year. Yeah. Nothing. You're one of those people that gets the double COVID birthdays. Yeah, and I got Mother's Day in the hospital. So that was super fun. Yeah. So this Mother's Day, you better... Yeah, I just feel like I'm... Your husband better bring it. I feel like I'm owed something like really big. Yeah. And I'll... Well, and then I also didn't get my big bachelorette. So I just feel like something big is going to happen and it's it'll be a big one i don't really something care something good has to come I, I got a baby out of it so it's, we're all good well, there you go yeah you got a baby I and she's just, great i always just buy my own mother's day presents that way i'm not disappointed i also forgot to change the chairs before we started so if they're squeaking oh yeah then that's that's why i'm sorry i apologize i feel so like uh <laughs> structured do you yeah yeah i, like I, it. Did, I didn't usually i change the chairs so they're not squeaky so we just have to try and sit still we have a big, a tall table, like a bar top table, because mm-hmm. my husband's so tall. And so we have like everything, our beds high, just things to make it convenient for him. Because you don't realize that it doesn't really affect us. Right. The kids climb on it fine. But whenever I sit at like a normal size table, it kind of feels delightful. Like it oh. just feels like, I don't know, feels special, it which feels is lovely. bizarre, but it does. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I should have a spot of tea or well, something. you've got a coffee or something, don't you? I do. Yeah. Well, there you go. That's a spot of coffee. Yeah. I don't know. Feels like a, a visiting table. Mine feels like a casual drink table. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, top. mine's a semi-casual formal dining room table. I painted it, so. Yeah, I like your table chair setup. Kevin it's thinks it's. Kevin always says it's. It seems like a little girl's tea party table. That's probably why I want to have a spot of tea at your table, and it yeah. looks very eastery because it's pastelly. I know. I think the the chairs are starting to get worn. I should probably. I thought I put a clear coat on it, but maybe I didn't put it on the chairs. Maybe I just put it on the table. Yeah, we're definitely boring our audiences now. We're definitely not no, living like, up to our I guess if they want to know what my dining room table chairs look like. Of course they do. Maybe I'll, I'll take a picture and post it on Instagram. Do it. I painted them myself. It looks nothing like Brennan's. Oh, yeah. So speaking of which. Okay, let's um, introduce ourselves first. Oh, okay. So I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. And this is. It happened to a friend of a friend. Yay. Okay, now sorry, go on. Okay, so we, um, <laughs> we had, a, Mike and I had a date night, which we haven't had in forever. But my sister was like, um, I'll watch the kids. You guys should get out, which is phenomenal. And you have to take those date nights when you get them. We haven't been out apart from getting married in mm-hmm. the summer. And we haven't like left the baby alone, like out. So you deserved it. Yeah. Because yes. even with our wedding, she stayed with us. Oh, and then okay. my son went to uh, my sister's first sleepover. So it's the his second sleepover. It was like our only time out. 
we went to the Irish Harp downtown for food, which you and I went to. Yes. This we, is where we conceived this yes, podcast idea. This is like our baby. We conceived it there. Yes, exactly. And now it's been born. Yeah. So <laughs> still it was born baby. very shortly after. <laughs> <laughs> this is a short pregnancy. It was a short gestation. Yeah. <laughs> and then afterwards, they like close pretty early because they're open for mostly dinner service. Right. But, but their food's phenomenal. And then we went to the Angel Inn for drinks. And and I was haunted. I was so afraid to go downstairs in the bathroom because there's there was nobody there right because it's limited number so there yeah. was literally three tables and it was towards the end of the evening. No question. Before we did that episode, would you have been scared to go down? Yes, I'm a okay. chicken shit. I don't so, like basements and so I don't it like has scary nothing places. To do with my creepy story, I didn't creep you it, out. It helped. Okay. <laughs> But I've eaten there many a time. I just don't always, I don't go to the bathroom or like it's been in groups of people. So I'm like, come to the bathroom with me or it's busy. But there was nobody there. It was dead. So I knew going down to the bathroom, there wouldn't be anybody down there. And Mike said, he said when he went to the bathroom after me, he, mm-hmm. like later on, in, he said he did hear footsteps going down the stairs. He's like one of the servers. I thought one of the servers was coming down the stairs, but nobody did. Okay. And I was like, ooh, it was Mr. Swayze, Captain Swayze. And then he was like, <laughs> Patrick Swayze. And I was like, no, wrong ghost. <laughs> <laughs> Clever. Clever. <laughs> I've never seen that movie, by the way. No? I've never seen Ghost. It's not like it's not like my favorite yeah. movie. Like I think it's kind of you should probably watch it. I've it's listened good. to a lot of podcasts where they do like because I listen to a lot of movie review type podcasts. Yeah, and I've listened to, like a lot of the podcasts. I live, they they've all done Ghost yeah. as a movie, so I feel like I like I know what happens in it. Yeah, it's an but, epic love story. I don't know. It's a good. Well, I know it's a classic, and I, I should watch it because I feel like with the pop cultureiness of me, our our friend Gary, who yeah. you can't really trace back to, but like one of his favorite songs is like <laughs> the ghost song, and I remember we would be like out partying or something, and then he'd put like the ghost song on at like the bars or whatever. You know, you oh, can yeah. pick the whatever the songs are. Yeah. And we were always like, why would you bring another party with us? And he's like, it's beautiful, man. I don't know. And he'd have it on like his sad song list. Yeah. I feel like I remember him telling me that when I would work with him. Yeah. (laughs) And I never believed him that he liked that song. Yeah. No, he definitely did. And like when I lived in Vancouver, we would like go to bars and then he would like be driving around like the sober driver and he would just put on like his sad songs for (laughs) mix and it was on there. But it's now when I think of ghosts, that's what I think of. Yeah. And now it'll be the angel in. Yeah. So I went down. I went to the washroom. Uh-huh. And I was just like a chicken shit the whole time. I like walked down. And I'm like, okay, it's fine. It's totally fine. I pee- I had to pee so bad just from having a few pints at yeah. the other place. And I was like, I just couldn't hold it. And um, so like I was like sitting on the toilet, like trying to rush, like hurry up, hurry up, hurry up. But the pee was taking forever. And I was like just trying to read all the writing <laughs> on the door and to, like, distract myself. But I was like, I had worked myself up. So I went and washed my hands. Mm-hmm. And I leaned into, there was a dryer on the side and I didn't realize that there was a dryer there and I leaned into it and it went off and I jumped like two feet high and I was like, holy God. (laughs) And I like, it just scared the shit out of me. I thank God I emptied my bladder because I probably would have peed my pants. Yeah. And then basically like wet hands and all, I just ran up the stairs really quickly and was like, oh my God, I almost died. (laughs) No ghost. I didn't see a ghost. Wow. Yeah, it just... Ugh, irks you out but they have the they had the leaf there on the guy okay they they have like a statue down there and they used to have a leaf and like there used to be like an alarm that went off like a little ding that would go off if somebody opened the leaf to look underneath it oh really? somebody went to look at his penis 
<laughs> and I noticed the leaf the leaf had been broken off for a long time and I noticed it was there and I was like, ooh, I wonder. But I was like, oh, there's five people in this whole place. I'm not going to be the perf. No. That just screamed down here. Yeah. And then looked at a penis. Yeah. Well, I did get kicked out of a, that's a whole other. That's a whole other story. Yeah. You got kicked out of somewhere for looking at a penis? Yeah, kind of. I'm trying to connect those dots now. Yeah, it's a long story. I mean, I wasn't intentional. We can save that story for another intro. Yeah, okay. <laughs> we'll leave our, our listeners hanging. Mm-hmm, yeah. <laughs> Just like I love that guy hanging. Anyways. Boom. <laughs> okay, right. so. So. Let's get serious. I let, we're going to get so serious now. I know. It's a really, I needed a little bit of that late intro because our topic's pretty heavy. They well, are, yes. The stories are heavy. They are. But they end in good in good ways. Mm-hmm. We're doing we're doing survivor stories today. Yes, and because we like to keep it upbeat. upbeat. <laughs> <laughs> it's not upbeat at all. But no. Well, again, they end on good notes. All uh, the victims yeah. survive. Yes. So nobody dies in these ones. No. So if that's what you're into, you better shut it off. Yes. <laughs> it's always good to do some survivor stories every once in a while, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. So I'm going first, right? Because you went first last time. Yes. Okay. So here we go. Megan, you and I are parents, mm-hmm. right? Yes. You, you have children? I've That's... just talked about them quite a bit. Yes, right. I do. Okay. Yep. Just, we're, I'm just confirming. Mm-hmm. Just do you, confirming. you do too as well, I correct? I have two of them, yes. yes. They're downstairs right now watching a movie with my sister, like via Zoom. Oh. You can do like a screen sharing thing with yeah. Disney Plus. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Or maybe it's through Zoom. I don't know. No, you they're... can do it through Disney Plus too. Yeah, it's a watch party. Or yeah, something. watch party. Yeah, so yeah. they're watching like Thor with my sister. Fun. So I think when you become a parent, you start to have a whole new set of worries. Mm -hmm. Are they going to have friends? Will they do well at school? Did they wipe their butt good after going to the bathroom? (laughs) Which I stress out about a lot Mm -hmm. because I swear my children do not wipe their bum. I think they take like a few little squares. They do like a little pat. And they're like, okay. Oh my God. No, we've had to like, we've had toilet clogs because he just keeps going. He's like, there's no poop coming. There's no poop left. We have had toilet clogs. Anyway, I don't want to stay too much on butt poop, but butts and stuff like that because no one wants to hear that. So there's all these many new worries that give you whole new levels of anxiety. Yeah. One of the things I worry about more often now that they're walking home on their own is the possibility of them being abducted. Yeah. And I think this is also amplified because I listen to a lot of true crime podcasts. Yeah, that's true. And there's like you always hear stories of like child trafficking and there's been stories in St. Catharines of like people in cars following yeah. kids home or something like that. Yeah. So I'm I'm always just a little bit worried. And there's you also get Amber Alerts on your phone. Yes, exactly. And as we said before, I always tell them adults don't need help from kids. So if anyone yeah. ever stops and talks to you and asks for directions, you, they don't need your help. What mm-hmm. what are where are you going to tell them to yeah. go? They yeah. don't you don't know anything. I always tell like them my son too like cuz if it's like the candy or come see my puppies or my kittens or yeah. somebody's something's lost or I need help or can you come talk to my kid cuz he's upset, I always say like no, you can't like come to mummy if you really want candy. Like I'll give you candy. <laughs> don't right. go you don't get candy from people you don't know. And I was like, they usually, and I just like, he's young enough. I kind of like, I'm like, their candy's garbage candy anyways. They give you raisins. I just, <laughs> their puppies bite. You know, like, I just try to like. Also, just don't go with just strangers. Just don't go with strangers. Yes. So going on this, I guess, abduction theme, today I'm going to tell the amazing survivor story of Elizabeth Smart. 
So Elizabeth Ann Smart was born on November 3rd, 1987 in Salt Lake City, Utah. Her family is part of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. She has four brothers and one sister. Elizabeth is the second oldest, and she's often described as being kind, smart, and shy. And I'm probably going to jump between like past and current tense mm-hmm. kind of thing. Was so, and is. Yeah. yeah. So just, just okay. bear with me with yeah. that. Her greatest passion was playing the harp, which she began playing at the age of five and would practice for hours each day. And I think this is sort of amazing because not only did she play an instrument, very few people would even think of playing the harp. The harp. And she was apparently like super into it. She was really good. By the time she was in middle school, she was playing the harp at local weddings, funerals, concerts. So yeah, I think she was about 12 or 13 at this point when she was doing all that stuff. Yeah, we talked about this. I thought you were going to have a harp the next time I came, came I'm in. I'm sorry. I dropped the ball on that. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to being musically talented, she was also athletic. She was a skilled equestrian and a long-distance runner. She's she, like the whole package. She truly was. She was an all-around good kid and good student. I mean, she is an all-around good person. As well. Yeah. Again, I'm going to be jumping back and forth between past and yeah. present tense. This was all brought to a terrifying halt in the early hours of June 5th, 2002. After returning from an award ceremony at her school the night before, Elizabeth was suddenly woken up just after midnight by a man in her room holding a knife to her throat. The kidnapper whispered in her ear, I have a knife, I have a knife to your neck, don't make a sound, get out of bed and come with me or I will kill you and your family. Elizabeth's sister, Mary Catherine, shared the room with her and... Mary Catherine heard this person in their in their room but she was obviously terrified and Mm -hmm. scared so she just kind of laid still she didn't want to how old was she again sorry who Mary Catherine um well she's younger Younger. than Elizabeth so yeah I I, I think eight maybe okay I'm sorry I I, I thought I just blanked out on that one no it's okay she's definitely younger young yeah so yeah she's also traumatizing by the way Oh yeah for sure So yeah, so obviously she was afraid that this man was going to come back for her. So she just stayed still and quiet and she was uh, totally afraid to call out to her parents. Elizabeth's abductor was a man named Brian David Mitchell. He was a drifter who had done some handyman type work at the smart home a month or so prior. So he kind of had an idea like who was in the family, where things were. And for uh, Brian David Mitchell, I'm just going to refer to him as Mitchell, but I'll continue to refer to Elizabeth as Elizabeth. Just because I know some people, I think I've done this before, some people use last names when they tell stories. I feel like, too, when you see pictures of him, he doesn't seem like a Brian David anything. I don't know. Seems like a very preppy name. I don't remember the picture. He looks like, I don't know, like a Messiah type. Yes. Yeah. Well, he did consider himself to be a prophet. Well, that's what he kind of looked like he was going for. (laughs) So Mitchell forced Elizabeth to walk for hours through a forest to a campsite where his wife, Wanda Barzee, was waiting. Once at the camp, Mitchell, who referred to himself as Emmanuel and believed himself to be a prophet, performed like a weird wedding ceremony between himself and Elizabeth, making her, in his eyes, his wife. Which, that's just gross and weird. And yeah, after this makeshift pretend ceremony Mitchell raped Elizabeth. Elizabeth recalls in interviews that she tried to fight him off but due to him being an adult and her being a child it wasn't possible obviously. Oh yeah Megan is showing me a picture of him and yes he definitely looks like he's trying to be some kind of prophet messiah Jesus person but he's not he's a horrible person. (laughs) 
the campsite was apparently close enough to her home that she could actually hear people calling her name as they searched for her. <sighs> so it just it's also that frustrating that frustrating thought like if you they had just walked a little bit further. Yeah. Imagine that feeling in your gut when they stopped. Do you know what yeah. I mean? Like you're when like you, when you're, probably when thinking you they're they're anymore. coming and you're going to be okay and then when they stopped looking like they really were that right there. Ugh. Yeah. Yeah, they could have they could have found her so much sooner. Yeah, it would be totally like heartbreaking and frustrating. Over the next nine months, Mitchell and Barzi dragged Elizabeth between San Diego and Utah. So I guess because obviously it gets cold in Utah during like fall and winter, they traveled towards San Diego to California to sort of panhandle and mm-hmm. stuff like that there because it was warmer and they were living outside. Yeah, okay. Like they were just living in campsites and stuff like that. Yikes. So yeah, they kind of dragged her down to San Diego and then back up to Utah later on. Actually, both those places seem totally beautiful and amazing, but, oh, well, yeah, but like, <laughs> in, in a different context. Yeah. yeah. Like I said, they would panhandle to make money and get by. During this time, Mitchell raped Elizabeth daily, often multiple times a day. He would often keep her tied to a tree, feed her alcohol and drugs, and would not feed her like actual food for days, bringing her to the point of starvation. And I mean, this is obviously like a controlling thing to keep her sort of sedated, stuff like that. But just horrible circumstances. And we were saying like before, like starvation is a whole other form of torture. Yes, absolutely. The whole time Mitchell was also trying to indoctrinate indoctrinate Elizabeth into his religious beliefs. Um, When they did go in public, when they were panhandling or something like that, whether in San Diego or Utah, Elizabeth was forced to wear a wig and dress in a robe so she would not be recognized. And I think I heard, like, I've heard other podcasts tell this story a lot. And I think uh, sometimes they've mentioned, like, she even had to wear, like, a face covering and stuff like that Mm -hmm. so that she wouldn't be recognized. And I think his, like, actual wife would kind of dress the same way. Yeah. He would just say, oh, it's it's a religious thing that they're wearing these. Yeah. And I think they, like, had to keep, like, they had to keep their heads down and not look up. And kind of like in Handmaid's Tale, too, right? Like, they have those big things that, like, bonnet things that, like, cover their heads because to keep their eyes down and keep them diverted, right? Yeah. I think it was like that idea, shouting them. So back at home, Elizabeth's sister finally remembered the man in her room looked like a man that that the family had formerly employed. The family took this information to the police, but they were not taken seriously. The smart family called their own press conference and released a sketch of Mitchell. America's Most Wanted also aired the image on February 2003, causing Mitchell's stepson to call in and identify him. And I read that the stepson was like, yeah, he totally would abduct somebody and yeah. torture them. Like, there's no way that it's not him. Kind of thing. In March of 2003, Mitchell was recognized by just a random person who just happened to pass by the three people on a street in Utah. So yeah, he recognized Mitchell. And I, I'm not sure if Elizabeth had her her robe and stuff on at this point. Mm-hmm. I think it I think it was just like a fluke thing that she also was a little recognizable. Yeah, but it was a big story too. Like it was re- yeah. it was everywhere, right? Yeah. When it happened because again, she's like a beautiful young girl and right. they had this guy that they were looking for eventually. Yeah. So yeah, it was really well pretty heavily broadcasted to his image. So at that time, she was being called Augustine by Mitchell and 
possibly Mitchell is also forcing her to refer to herself uh, yeah. as Augustine. Yeah. Police believe she suffered from Stockholm Syndrome, and that's the reason why she never really tried to escape. And I guess there were opportunities where she could, like when they were on the street mm-hmm. or when they're at the campsite. Like there were times that she could have, but I mean, yeah. obviously she would be scared and stuff too. Like, yeah. You don't and know. he, he, well, if he caught her somehow, like if he caught up to her somehow, she would be reprimanded. But he right. also knows where her entire family lives. Well, that's right? just like, it. Yeah. He's been to her house. He got her from her house. So he could always harm her family. Yeah. Which he probably threatened to, right? Oh, for sure. Megan's phone is going off. I know. I actually right turned the thing off. Why Just do people text? vibrator off. No, nobody texts. That's got to um, go 24-7. <laughs> After multiple court dates and questions on, Mitch- on Mitchell's mental state, he was sentenced to life in prison for kidnapping and the unlawful transportation of a minor with intent to engage in sexual activity. And... Elizabeth has said, I guess, in interviews that I read that she, it really upset her that he didn't get charged for everything that he did to her. Yeah. Like, he just got these two, these two charges, Mm -hmm. but obviously he probably should have been charged with other stuff. Yeah. Um, Like, a lot of charges, though, like the torturing, all those come with several charges. Yeah. Barzee was sentenced to 15 years in prison, which really seems kind of like nothing. Yeah. The sentence was given out in 2010, and she got credited with seven years that she had already done when they got picked up in 2003. So she was released in 2018. Ew. I just don't... Again, I'm sure that she's gone through some sort of mind altering or indoctrination herself, I'm sure. But, I mean, she's complicit in everything, right? Yeah. So Elizabeth made a remarkable transition back into everyday life. She finished high school and enrolled in Brigham Young University to the music program there. She became an advocate for kidnapping victims and victims of sexual abuse. She shared her story. She has shared her story in various interviews and became a noted public speaker. In 2009, she met her husband while living in Paris. They married in 2012, and they now have three children. Ooh, that's um, nice. Uh, yeah, Elizabeth has written two books about her experiences. One is called My Story, and that was in 2013. The other one is called Where There's Hope, Healing, Moving Forward, and Never Giving Up, and that was in 2018. And I believe she was on an episode of The Masked dancer yes yeah she was the only a- episode me and mike saw was elizabeth smart being unmasked <laughs> yeah she was like a moth or something yeah she? yeah, yeah. she's a really pretty ma- moth or whatever but yeah so, she's like really pulled it together she truly has like i was telling kevin this story and kevin's like well she must be like really messed up and blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. like actually it sounds like she not that she took it well yeah i mean obviously no one's going to take it well but she was able to come back from mm-hmm. it yeah and use everything that happened to her in a positive way yeah. and speak out for other people who can't speak and stuff yeah. like that. So I'm yeah. sure she still has episodes or PTSD or oh, she's st- I'm, I'm sure, sure she, she still does. has issues, but like you can choose to try to heal. Like you you can make the choice to not heal and you can make the choice to try to heal and you might never fully heal. Like yeah. there will always be scars, but you can try to help yourself as well. Yeah. And I think that's important that. Well, and I mean, if other people have been, I mean, not necessarily through this situation yeah. exactly, but something similar. Yeah. I mean, everybody's going to deal with it differently, right? Mm-hmm. So whereas Elizabeth was able to come back and speak mm-hmm. and do all this to help, to help, like you said, mm-hmm. to heal, someone else might not have that same strength. Yeah. And she was raised in the church right which you know neither of us we're not talking about religion but 
she did have a good community and support system when she was coming out. And I think that helps. I think when you're talking about somebody who doesn't have resources and you talk about somebody coming into a really strong community, I think that really does help quite a bit. That's a big difference, right? For sure. So... Yeah. So, yeah, that is Elizabeth's amazing survivor story. That still terrifies me. Like, I just think about that all the time. I, this time of year when we're leaving the windows open and stuff, I'm on top of Mike for, like, putting the locks on, you know, like, the midway lock so you can't Mm -hmm. fully open the window and stuff when we go to sleep. Just because I'm paranoid about, like, someone coming in. Because he just cut the screens to get in, in, right? So, like, I'm just so paranoid. Like, I double and triple check. Yeah. Make, I make Kevin check to make sure yeah. that they're closed and locked in the summer. Like, we keep our bedroom windows open, but it's a totally different Yeah, because it's the same with, like, Night Stalker. With all these people, like, they break in a window, yeah. essentially, right? Yeah. It just, it's terrifying. And it has happened. That's what, I don't like when Mike makes fun of me. I'm like, no, like, it really, this shit really has happened. <laughs> it's not because, it's not like, you're more afraid of ghosts, where I'm more afraid of, like, criminals, right? Yeah. And like, it's not like a, yes, I'm sure ghost stories happen, but it's not like there is proof that a ghost broke into your house and moved your furniture around. But there is proof <laughs> that people have taken people I mean, or still, broken into windows. I'm still afraid of like people coming into my house. Yeah. But yeah, yeah ghosts still freak me out too. Yeah. Anyways, that's just fucking terrifying. Right. Like, <laughs> so Elizabeth Smart. I know. You she, are amazing. She's beautiful too, eh? Like, she she's is, just like. Yeah. She's the whole package. Yes. And I'm not saying that that makes it more, her story more incredible. It's just like, it's just, you, you think that everyone, somebody like that's going to live a perfect life and it's just kind of sad. Yep. Are you ready for my story? I am ready. Go. Okay. It's a doozy and there's lots of trigger warnings and it's pretty detailed and that's coming from like the victim's perspectives. It's not, you know, meant to be murder porn. It's meant to be cautionary. Okay. Okay. Stabbed more than 37 times, partially disemboweled, and nearly decapitated. Allison's pure will to live brought her to her feet and to the road where she could be found, leading to her survival after an abduction, rape, and brutal mutilation. This is Allison Botha's story. Let's do this. Intense. Okay. Okay, go. So this takes place in Nurdhuk. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's my attention at um, Afrikaans. In South Africa and in a place called Port Elizabeth, which is easier. It was a perfect hot summer day on December 18th, 1994. Allison and her friends spent the day at the beach. So it was like a great, they had a great day getting just that little bit of like that tan and sun-kissed and just listening to music. And then they followed it up with pizza and games at her place. She was 27 at the time. So she was, they were, they were a little bit of an older crowd. They were pretty responsible. She was an insurance broker. She worked as an insurance broker. Okay. And kind of at the end of the evening, she drove her friends home. Super nice. When she arrived back at her apartment, it was about 1 a.m. She lived in a quiet complex in a quiet city street, like a generally nice neighborhood. But her parking space, which was directly in front of her apartment, had been taken. She had to park a little bit further away. And she said she just kind of noted it was a little creepy. It was in the trees and she was kind of in a hurry to get out of her car. But before she could, her car door was flung open and a man held her at knife point. See, those damn knife points. I know. He said he just needed to use the car for about an hour and that he didn't want to hurt her, but like she needed to move over. And she really believed him. Like she really wanted to believe him. She was kind of younger, not younger, but naive young woman, like had never really encountered such such an issue. So she like still kind of believed in the best in people, which I always tell people like my rule is don't go with anybody. Like don't get don't get in a car with anybody. Don't go anywhere with anybody. Like you are not going to survive. <laughs> like right. yes. chances are 
once they have you, you're they're not you're not going to survive, and whatever you do survive is going to be worse than a knife wound. That like or you know <laughs> fight back and don't go. Right is kind of like my my big rule. Um, scream at the top of your lungs, whatever. But so she went kind of thinking that it was just kind of like that sort of situation. She's going to be fine. He did start to make conversation with her. So he was, he asked if she had a boyfriend, was just kind of trying to be really nice and he wasn't too bad. It wasn't until they stopped to pick up his friend that she started to feel like she was in real danger. Um, she just like describes her, her friend as being, having like dark eyes and being really like having this intense dark vibe about him. And so they drove her into the back roads. The guy had said his name was Clinton and Clinton drove them into the back roads, stopped the car and asked if she was going to put up a fight. And she was like, I don't, I don't fight. Like, right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. She is, she's, she's not she's into just, that. Yeah. yeah. She, that's what I mean though. I would put up a fight. I would just gouge his eyeballs out if I could. I don't I know could. what I would do. I would get murdered pretty quickly or, <laughs> I, I, or something, but. I, and I've, I've thought about it before. Like what would I do if I was in that situation? And I honestly don't. I would like to think that I would fight, but at the same yeah. time, I think I would just be too. In shock. Like, in shock. Yeah. To be like, this is actually happening. Yeah. Like, I don't know if I would be able to react. Yeah. That's true. I did have somebody kind of uh, like I kind of had a stalker situation kind of attack me in a bar once and I didn't really fight and he held me by the throat. But it was like everybody was around like people saw it yeah, and it was taken yeah. away from me very quickly. But I think if it was the situation, I would think I I would hope. But I, I'm generally a fighter anyway. <laughs> like don't try to tickle me. I'll take you down. So I don't. Noted. I will not. Yeah, you. yeah. Don't even poke me. I'll break your finger. Um, my husband can attest to this, by the way. <laughs> so the first man. He, so basically, or Clifton or Clinton, I forget now, forced her to do oral on him. And then he forced oral on her. And the whole time he was kind of making sexual comments as if it was foreplay. So like, do you like it when your boyfriend does just stuff like that? And then he raped her. Did want to kind of have a serious moment. This whole thing is serious, I know. But one thing I really wanted to talk about that does not get talked about, and somebody might be listening that has been sexually assaulted and maybe hasn't talked to anybody about it. It is mentioned in the documentary that your body, male or female, can sometimes respond to violent and forced physical manipulation meaning that you can become lubricated and you can even have an orgasm and it is not associated with pleasure it's an automatic response tickling can be torture but you will laugh or if you're drowning if you're under the water and you're drowning your your lungs will try to gasp for air and you will open up and you will breathe in water it's your body's automatic response so bonding with arousal can actually protect your body from injury and so when rapist or offender sometimes they like she liked it you know what I mean or it seemed like she was saying no but she obviously liked it her body just had that automatic reflex and I think that that's a really serious misconception that men or women or whomever need to understand that just because they are getting that physical response doesn't mean that there is enjoyment coming from it it's just a natural response and same thing for victims if you're listening and you didn't know or didn't look into it or you've been kind of repressing it a little bit your your body isn't betraying you that's what Allison said Allison said that her worst the worst thing was that it felt like her body had betrayed her in that moment but that she's learned that that it was not a response of pleasure so yeah so just a little uh kind of some knowledge out there for people who may may not know and back to my story (laughs) 
No, that's that's great information because I didn't know that. So. No, and I don't think you would Google it. I don't even think it, no, it, like it might have happened to you and you might not, you might have been like, it could be yeah. confusing if you were in a situation, even if you were in a situation that you felt was a little bit of a gray area. Right. Because you were like, well, I clearly, I must have enjoyed it. You might not have. It might have just been the response. Do you know what I mean? So after he was finished, she found out that his name was actually Franz. He had given you the, her the wrong name because Franz and the other guy, Tiens, which she found out his name was, started having a conversation um, when Tien said like he was ready to fuck her. And Franz had said like, or like, like he was ready. And Franz had said like, no, 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 no. Like this is love making. You have to make love to this beautiful woman. And Tien's was like, no, I want to fuck the bitch. So you can kind of see the difference between a rapist's kind of visual there, right? Right. You know, one obviously goes about it totally different than the other. Either way, both of them are obviously violent and, well, you're going to find out how much worse it is. Okay. So Tien's gets, yeah, so Tien's uh, gets in and he rapes her too. Then the last thing she remembers is being strangled, her bowels emptying, and then her losing consciousness. Um, She describes waking up to a slashing kind of motion in front of her and a wet sound. She said there was no pain. Mm -hmm. She just re- she just remembered it was kind of like a dream and she could see this happening. She had already been stabbed repeatedly in the abdomen and pubic region oh my um, while she was unconscious. And at this point, they were slashing at her throat. Okay. Uh, she heard them moving away, but her open throat was making this really loud rasping sound. Mm-hmm. And she didn't want them to come back. So she was trying to like put her hand over it. She was trying to keep it as quiet as possible and stay perfectly still. She heard one say to the other, do you think she's dead? And the other one say, no one can survive that. She felt something plop on her back and then they left. They got in the car and they drove away. She says that at this moment she left her body, but like she had an outer body experience, Um, but she wanted to go back and she wanted to fight. What she did was she mustered all the strength she had to write their names in the dirt. So she wrote Franz and Tien's. Okay. And she wrote, I love mom, which is heartbreaking. She actually said that it was like her thinking of her mom that like gave her the will to move forward. Mm -hmm. So when she saw headlights, she kind of could see where the road, the direction of the road. And she decided she was going to try to make it to the road. She felt something wet and slimy near her legs. And she realized that it was actually her insides coming out. Um, And her intestines had been outside of her abdomen. I hit my mic. I know. Quite a response. (laughs) It's very dramatic. She found her denim shirt, which is what the guy had thrown on her. She used it to gather her innards, basically, and hold them against her. Yeah. Just fucking terrifying. But I guess in the moment, you're just, you're not thinking it through. You're just acting, right? So she began to crawl, but she found that crawling was exhausting like it was way too difficult Mm -hmm. um again she only had one hand um she knew she had to get to her feet and as she attempted to get to her feet her head fell back in between her shoulder blades so that's you know she's partially decapitated um and her vision went funny so she basically like pulled her head pulled her head forward and just somehow pushed onto the road she said she she'd kind of fallen and had to get up a few times she collapsed in the road and she just laid there waiting hoping and fearing like hoping for rescue but afraid that her assailants could be in the car that shows up mm-hmm. but what are you gonna do yeah do you know what i mean you're gonna die if you don't do that and but those moments were just that's all they were yeah. right um she said a car actually drove past and then one stopped 
I know people get like really upset when pe- they like cars drive past or people don't stop. There is a whole psychology behind that, which is really interesting. And it's kind of like a save yourself psychology. Mm-hmm. I would hope that if I was too afraid to get out or something, I would be calling, move on somewhere to call the police right. or something. Yeah. I do understand like the need to save yourself if you see somebody. Yeah, um, it might also you- just be the, the mentality like, oh, someone else I'm sure has already taken care of this. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, I think you somebody would take them if they had, but, um, or you, well, not maybe I take them, but just somebody might have already like called, called and then or, moved on or, yeah, or it's a body and you don't want to disturb it. Yeah. And you, so you're going to go get the cops or something. Yeah. I don't, I really don't know. I've, I haven't been in the situation. I know I watch a lot of Texas Chainsaw Massacre and scary <laughs> videos, and I know I would be terrified, but I don't know what I would do in the, in the circumstance. Right. So, one, thankfully, one group, one, car did stop and a group of friends got out luckily one had a cell phone okay because it was 1994 yeah so yeah they had like uh it was new tech at the time so they Mm -hmm. probably had like either the car phone or like the big zach morris phone and then um another one stayed there and he was actually a student a vet student so his name was tian and he, I know it sounds close, Tian's and Tian. He actually kept her conscious, was asking her questions. After the situation, after the scenario, after helping her and going on with his life, he actually decided to become a, a doctor because of the situation. Okay. Yeah. So she actually inspired him to become a doctor instead of a vet. So the hospital, the when they called the hospital, the ambulance was 15 minutes away. So that meant about a half hour minimum time between getting to the hospital. So all they could really do was try to keep her alive. They did say, he did say that, that like the, the they already thought she was a lost cause kind of when they were heading to the hospital after they picked her up just because her injuries were so horrific and then when they got there the doctors were shocked they actually said it's so rare to see injury this brutal on somebody who was alive oh wow so usually like at this point it's a cadaver that they're talking about not somebody whose lives you're trying to save the surgeons though however she got really lucky with the surgeons that were there because they took so much care with her the one surgeon spent a lot of time meticulously cleaning dirt sand and charcoal from her intestines oh my goodness yeah and like he said that he even had to like kind of scrub it out because he had to get it clean right if if they could do all they can and then she could die of sepsis if there's something in there right yeah they also thought that because of the damage to her pelvic area that she might not be able to have children but they did they still did their best miraculously which they use this word a lot miracle (laughs) there was about 17 slashes to the neck and the chest and there was limited damage it missed several vessels arteries and nerves no organs were hit in the abdominal stabbings as well i didn't know what else what other word to say stabbings (laughs) there um no organs were hit so she basically didn't bleed out because nothing vital was taken out but considering it was what 17 slashes to the neck over 37 slashes to the lower torso right in her intestines on the outside like nothing nothing was a fatal wound which is crazy they were able to prepare the trachea which was the one thing that was slashed and damaged quite extensively but they were able to take care of it later on she positively identified Franz Dutois and Tiens Kruger who received life in prison so you uh you're talking about like the charges that that um Mitchell Mitchell didn't receive these yeah. guys received like six charges oh, wow. for just that scenario so yeah. that's kind of more along the lines of what should have happened Allison has she was actually able to have children so she did get married and she had two sons okay again miraculously yeah. she wrote a book about her ordeal called I have life and um, I learned about this through a documentary on 
called Allison on Prime. Oh, okay. Um, so she does public speaking. She, you know, the these victims, a lot of times they, they get overlooked because it's the serial killer or the person, like, they want to know, you, you want to know why some monster can do this, right? But the victims do deserve to have their stories told respectfully. And Allison really felt like it's a cautionary tale. Like, don't, you know what I mean? To trust your instincts and to fight and to take precautions and, and right. fight like hell, right? Yeah. So that is the story of Allison Botha. Botha amazing Mm -hmm. just horrific and i'm sure like if you watch the documentary it's really good towards the end she's still dealing with it obviously like it's something that's going to be with her for the rest of her life but her outlook is mostly a little more optimistic so the next one is mary vincent so Mary Vincent may have saved many lives at the cost of almost losing her own. In September 1978, Mary Vincent was 15 years old. And when she left home, so kind of ran away, but there was a reason for it. She was heading to Los Angeles in hopes of finding a dance career. She had had some success. She was a lead in a production in Vegas. It was a very, she had a lot of optimism to, like for her career as well. So with a sign that said, heading south, you guessed it, she hitched a ride. Awesome. Always a good decision. Yeah. I mean, in the 70s, it was common. They actually, yeah. she was hitching with two other people and the person who uh, went to pick up said that he could only fit one. Right. Uh, he had a van and he said the back was full. He could only, he only had room for one and unlucky Mary Vincent took the ride. Oh no. He was a seemingly nice older man, but he was about 50 years old and he was, Again, these people are chatty and seem really nice. So beware yep. of overly kind people. Um, they but I'm pro- an overly kind person and I'm fine. Yeah, I know. It, it's less likely to be women unless women are vetting people. I guess. Right? Yeah. Um, but again, yeah, don't just beware. One time I took a ride from a stranger. Wait, you said you're kind, but you also say that people think you're a bitch when they meet you. They do because so- I'm shy, so I don't want to talk to them. Okay. So you know. Yeah, I took a ride from a stranger one time. I was waiting to go to work when I was in, I think, when I was home after my first year of school so I took the bus because I didn't drive until like I had Lucas mm-hmm. and it was like super super pouring rain out and I was waiting for the bus and I was sitting there waiting and a car pulled up beside me and she was it was just like a woman in the car and she's like do you want to ride and it's like I didn't even think twice I was like okay you just hopped in <laughs> I just hopped in the car Thank God you're alive, Sarah. Thank God I am alive. Um, I'm just a nice lady who offered me a ride. I did pick people up before. With somebody else in the car, I I have picked people up. So I guess when you're young, you really don't get it. Like you just feel like invincible. And then I think after I had kids, I was like, I'm important to people's lives. I keep these people alive. (laughs) I'm scared of everything. Um, I really am. So yeah, so this, um, and they like... They joke on, and that's why we drink. They always say, like, he was an upstanding, a pillar of the community. Yeah. Yeah, like, it's just, beware. Mary um, was actually so at ease with him that she fell asleep. And when she woke up, she found that they were traveling in the wrong direction. Okay. So obviously she questioned him about it. He made an excuse and turned around. But very shortly, he pulled over to get out and take a pee. So some say that it was at a rest stop. Some say it wasn't. Regardless, he pulled over. And at the time, Mary took the advantage to get out of the car and stretch. And she went to tie her shoe. Next thing she knew, she was hit over the head with a sledgehammer. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Which is... uh also, to even survive being hit over the head with a sledgehammer, like, that is quite a tool. It is, yes. 
When she woke up, she was in the back of the van with each arm fastened to the opposite side of the van. The, her assailant spent the entire night sexually assaulting her. The next morning, Mary begged to be let go. And apparently he said, if you want to be set free, I'll set you free. And he took an axe to both of her arms, hacking oh, them off. Oh, my goodness. Um, yeah. So Mary lost consciousness, probably a combination of shock and bleeding. And then there's kind of conflicting obviously she had lost consciousness so the story coming from her there's kind of a conflicting stories but one is where she's just tossed off of a cliff and the other is where she's placed in or dragged down into a culvert but regardless she was left for dead off the road oh my goodness down a cliff yeah and which because who's going to right survive that generally right yeah mary is going to survive that so she mary mary pulled herself to consciousness she actually put her arms what was left of her arms in the mud to try to stop the bleeding Mm -hmm. and forced herself 30 feet up the cliff oh my goodness so quite uh quite a trek yes she was found flagging down a car holding up what was left of her arms above her head to keep the muscle in and prevent further blood loss oh yeah they were able to save her life um she has had prosthetics put on as well right and she was able to catch her mutilator so the man was lawrence singleton who was a merchant a a former sea merchant and he was convicted in 1979 of again listen to all the things he was convicted of kidnapping mayhem attempted murder forcible rape sodomy and forced oral copulation oh my goodness yeah so mitchell damn it damn you mitchell go back there and what is going on just slap some more shit on him (laughs) yeah um however lawrence singleton even with all of this because of like what was suggested at the time he served a little more than half of his sentence which was 14 years in prison oh, wow yeah that was the max in california at, at the time wow. so that they judge had even said i would give more but this is all i'm able to give yeah. i would have given life um so basically afterwards mary vincent although here like a you know kind of a hero for getting this man off the streets for the time that he was she was living in fear like he she was drinking she was not doing so well right apparently when she testified when she um when he she was walking back from the testimony he whispered something to her and it was something along the lines of like He'll finish the job no matter what it takes if it takes him the rest of his life mm-hmm. and so her health wasn't really good until the 90s so 79 to the 90s lawrence singleton had had to move to florida where he was originally from because he because basically when he got out of prison the community was like uh-uh mm-hmm. and they protested and they were and threatened him and basically were like you can't keep this piece of right. trash here they were pretty pissed right like he was obviously a, a psychopath like <laughs> Cut, like torturing somebody but he got out he went to florida and in 1997 the police were called by a neighbor reporting that singleton was assaulting a woman at his house okay when they arrived they found roxanne hayes who was a sex worker and mother of three dead from multiple stab wounds and singleton was covered in blood and mm-hmm. it was very evident that he was guilty um so he was he received life in prison Mary Vincent came out of hiding to testify. Okay. Um, and this may have actually helped her to move on because yeah. afterwards she seemed to have a healthier life. a little bit. And- yeah. And Singleton died in 2001 of cancer in prison. Okay. So he's gone now. And Mary Vincent was able to 
um, get married. She'd been actually got married a couple of times. She had two kids as well. Um, she began making art with her prosthetic arm. So oh, she awesome. was, yeah, which is pretty cool. She did set up the Mary Vincent Foundation to help victims of traumatic experiences. The organization can no longer be found. I, I do think it's kind of been disbanded, but it did good while it was open. Okay. The other thing that happened from this, besides her saving lives from taking off right. the street, which she could have saved another life if only due to public outrage over the lenient sentence and early release the it resulted in a change to the law so basically seizing early release of criminals who where crimes involved torture and also allowing for the sentence of 25 to life for those okay. crimes yeah so something kind of good coming out of both of those stories and yes they survived to tell the tale and they've also were able to put people away so i think it's really important with all these three survival stories mm-hmm. is that they were able to take these people off the street and prevent them from doing further damage right right yeah good for them keep us safe. survivors yeah i just wanted to quickly give some of the sources that i use because i feel like i never give sources mm-hmm. so i just i'm going to um i use the website rochesterfirst.com wikipedia history.com and biography.com and as i always say this was just a scratching of the surface i'm sure there's a lot more that i didn't. you could read you could read their books like Exactly, yes. I used mostly the Prime documentary and then excerpts from Allison's book. And, and then that's one of the things I don't really have time for is to, to read, read a book. the books. Because yeah. I'm usually like writing my notes in between breaks from doing actual yeah. work for yeah. work. <laughs> well, I, was, I think I had said it on the last one or whatever. It's, it's kind of like you're like, oh, I'm like, I'm, I don't know. I didn't have time to look that up. But then at like five minutes later, I'm like, I went down a four hour rabbit hole. Yeah. Like the dark Disney, you can spend 18 hours oh, going down like those rabbit holes and then you're like oh I don't know that fact yeah. <laughs> you're like I, I don't have time to look that shit up <laughs> so yeah but those it's heavy to read those books and the other thing is one of the reasons I wanted to kind of do the podcast is because like I like talking about these things uh-huh. and because like I kind of like you get into it you get really into the story that you're oh, researching and stuff but to immerse into somebody's book is to like really immerse into that world and, and for like a other, long like, period of time a lot of other true crime podcasts do it like that's yeah. where they get a lot of the researches from the books and stuff i just yeah. i don't know how they find the time no i know like i just it's a lot maybe it's just because maybe other podcasts record weeks before it comes out so they have time to well yeah it. and i think it's a, it's become a car- it's become a career for them right whereas yes. we live our lives and yeah. don't really have time for yes as much time for it it's like a pleasure project it is it's fun so um what six was pleasure your, what's your throwbacks so you talked throwbacks. about YM and 17 when we talked about like the Delia's catalog. I love YM and 17. I used to read the the embarrassing stories in YM all the time with one of my friends because she had like all the back issues as well. Yeah. And whenever it would say like I was so psyched to see my crush she could never say read the word psyched properly and she would always read it fizzed. Fizzed. And I always and I remember the first time she did it and I was like wait what was that word that you just said? She's like fizzed. I'm like I don't think. Let, let, I don't think that's the word that you think it is. I'm like let me see what you're reading i'm like no that says psyched she was psyched we should start using fizzed i'm gonna start using fizzed. i'm so fizzed to see you next sometimes week. i'll say it when when i like when we see each other and you should I, see I if she has back it. copies and have her like take a picture and we can post it no anymore. yeah because eventually you have to let go that i wouldn't yeah but. <laughs> oh well then you would should have some around the house then if I you should, wouldn't let go <laughs> i don't i'm sorry so my other throwback then is like Teen Beat, Tiger Beat, Ooh, yes, Big Bopper, which turned into Bop. I think I don't know if it was Big Bopper. Big Bopper was a singer. No, Big Bopper. It was originally called Big Bopper, and then it got changed to Bop. Okay. I think like when we were young. Okay. 
But we used to like me and my cousin used to wait for the new additions. And then we used to walk down the street to the convenience store. It was like a whole thing and get our pinups of all of our boyfriends that we loved. I was like big on JTT. I had a JTT wall in my room. Oh, like just completely in love. He's on Home Improvement and he did the voice of the Lion King when he was a baby. I remember like being obsessed with the Lion King because of it. Leonardo DiCaprio, Donnie Depp. I like the bigger bad boys, I think, too. I just liked all the cute boys. It is called Big Bopper. I, I apologize. They, and I think they just kind of started calling it Bop. Yeah, I, I Googled it just because I wanted to make sure because I don't want people like being like, no, it wasn't that. Who were your guys? We talked about Devin Sawa. Okay, Devin Sawa, JTT, Mark Paul Gossler. Um, Who is Zach Morris. He's already been brought up. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Jared Leto. Yeah. Or Leto, whoever you want to say. I say Leto. I don't I know. know if that's right. I don't know. Like, there's, I can't even think. Ryder Strong. Mm-hmm. Thomas Ian Nicholas. I mean, he's super cute. I think I'd have to see a picture of him. Oh, uh, Jan- Jonathan Brandis. Mm-hmm. I think he's. Like, he did. Oh, yeah, yes. yeah. I think he OD'd maybe. I don't know. That was a very tragic. End. He had a very tragic <laughs> ending. I feel like we don't want to talk. No, we about don't want to talk about that. But he was very <laughs> attractive and we were into it. Yes. He's also in The Neverending Story 2. I never saw any of The Neverending Stories. Oh my gosh, that's so disappointing. I, I guess know. I'm not throwing that back now. No, but yeah, the, I mean, <clears> there was so many, like I loved so many boys. Will Friedel, who's also on Boy Meets World, he was Corey's brother oh yeah. how, how do you even know his name do you know who was never on there who David Crumholtz. do you remember the guy that I did the oh, throwback yes, for yes, yes. for the Christmas episode yeah he was not in there oh I also <laughs> loved Ryan Phillippe mm-hmm. oh I loved Ryan Phillippe I t- um so I was saying the last like before when we were talking that I had uh I found a Josh Hartnett poster uh-huh. in like a pullout and it was like a big centerfold pullout one and my husband kind of looks like a combination of like if Luke Wilson and Josh Hartnett had a baby it would be Mike <laughs> and people have said that before like especially when he was younger and we I mean now he's getting older I mean he yeah. still kind of does look like them but so yeah he he was like oh like you would you'd like you have a um, type. He's like, uh, yeah, he's like, you uh, envisioned me into your life. And I was like, I'm pretty <laughs> sure this one's not mine because I was not that into Josh Hartnett. I mean, Virgin Suicides. I was like, That was a great movie. Yeah, it's like a, one of I my top movies. Movie. But like, just not my vibe. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, oh, and The Faculty was really good too. Ooh, yes, I did like The Faculty. But yeah, so he's like, yeah, bullshit. And I'm like, no, it really wasn't. I'm sorry, love. I love you so much. You're the most sexy man I've ever seen. Wasn't mine. Right. So I so, have, yeah. I've got two. Okay. I have butterfly clips, mm-hmm. which they were my jam in like grade 11 and 12. I wore like five around like sort of the crown yeah. of my head. Yeah, like I wore them too. Did you really, have long hair no, back then? No, I had, I had maybe like shoulder length hair. Okay. But my hair is so fine and thin. Like butterfly clips just gave me something to do with my hair. Yeah. Because I couldn't really do much with it. I had a pixie cut. Did you? Like shorter than your... Well, I had a pixie yeah. cut like two months ago. Yeah. So like how you usually have your hair and like that's what I used to do is like put them back in the front. Yeah. Yeah. So I had butterfly clips but then Ooh. I remembered something else. Tell me, tell that me. That I had to do. The Casio Secret Sender. Did you have one of those? I did have one of them and I'm trying to envision like the little the little symbols. Yeah, I I definitely had one of those. I desperately desperately wanted one. So, okay, I wrote down 
a description of it. Okay. And just in case people don't yeah, remember what this is. It's a very specific. It, it's not that it's specific. It's just, it wasn't around for like a long, think, long, long no, time. I don't think it was around for Google a lot of time. picture of it. And I feel like there were a few of these like electronic girl organizer-y things. Yeah. Because I think there was also a pink one that I think my sister might have had. But I had the secret sender. And Mine it was, was like the secret sender one. And yeah. Stuff like that. So it was an electronic diary, phone book, birthday reminder, calculator. It would give you horoscopes and you could like control your tv with it mm-hmm. so like what your smartphone can do now but back then this was like mind-blowing shit oh my god it was crazy but the biggest thing that it could do it could send messages to other people with mm-hmm. the same device yeah so it was like the og texter mexer yeah yeah because <laughs> it was like right after um beepers well, i think it was but like before yeah so like it was cell phones were like that. yeah it was bef- way before cell phones yeah But the messages had to be sent to like another secret sender, obviously, and that you had to be within 25 feet of the other secret sender. So you couldn't like be at your house and send a message to your friend. That's so specific. But you were sending them at school. So you were within 25 feet. They couldn't be more than four lines and each line couldn't be more than 16 characters long. Oh, yeah. Still more than a beeper technology back then. I know. I don't I think I was the only one of my friends that had one though so like oh, I oh, so it wasn't... but I wanted it because I wanted like the diary the secret diary yeah like I, I used the team and it had code like you needed the code to get in yeah. and like yeah it was so cool I had one I definitely had one of those yes that's so a good one it's a secret sender my sister wants to bring back so this is her throwback she wants to bring back do you remember how you used to do like make friendship bracelets in your hair kind of like you used to use the same string that you I make I never did that but I know what you're talking about yeah like the yarn it was yeah. very like very hip in the 90s yeah and you'd put like these things in your hair well it's just embro- I could totally do when I bet if was I was it just embroidery thread I think so yeah like, I had like yeah it's just a thicker thread yeah yeah thread. like Lucas was making friendship bracelets a few a it's few essentially like a friendship bracelet but you put it in your hair yeah yeah like I have like Lucas do you want to do one in my hair after no I don't I don't know how to do the hair ones I never did the hair ones um I just made them like I would put the the string on a safety on a safety pin and then like hook it to my pants yeah and then you would just make the yeah I think it's I think you literally do the same way you do bracelets but in your hair I don't know but this is her throwback and I'm gonna make her give me one maybe tomorrow I like it and then I'll send you a picture if we do it I like it so we're not superstitious but we're a little stitious Yay, I got it right. I know, I don't want it. I, wa- I like the other way. I thought okay, it was we're pretty not good. a little stitious. We are super stitious. <laughs> <laughs> no, with conviction. Okay, okay, bye. Bye.